You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeld, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Kristen Molinar. She is CEO and founder of Yes Boss. We're going to talk to her a little bit about her entrepreneurial experience, putting together a company, a service-based company, and then the work that she does with podcasts and getting people on podcasts, getting people booked and helping them leverage the power of being on a podcast to help grow and scale their business, generate leads, generate thought leadership. Obviously, I'm all in on that, (laughs) having been a podcast host on two podcasts now for a while. And I'm excited to talk about this and really kind of understanding how she's built her business and how she helps thought leaders help service-based businesses, leaders in service businesses leverage this platform because it's an extremely powerful platform that I think is under-leveraged in many cases. So with that, Kristen, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Bruce. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, thank you for being on. So let's do a little bit about background, learn about you, about your entrepreneurial experience, and then we'll kind of dig into this whole podcast space. Give us the backstory. What, What was your experience? So I came to be where I am right now (laughs) through what started as entrepreneurial failure. I feel like I'm not really giving a full picture unless I really start there. But I quit my last quote unquote corporate job in late 2014 and decided that I would be a coach and consultant because everybody was telling me, you know, package your expertise, put it on a course online and you could be, you know, have freedom for life, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I tried to do. (laughs) And I say that I'm a failure at that because after 14 months, I had only made $5,000. It was just incredibly frustrating. I was doing all the things trying to, you know, I say all the things when it comes to marketing, you know, trying to one webinar here and a Instagram strategy there and Pinterest over here, like just all the different things, right? So after struggling for about 14 months and deciding like, look, I just need to make some kind of money. I can't keep living in my in-law's guest bedroom forever. Like Mm -hmm. this is just not sustainable. I looked to the virtual assistant world. I figured, you know, I had learned about all of the back end stuff that's necessary to entrepreneurs. Like, why don't I just use those skills to go and serve that audience? And so what I did is I got my first virtual assistant gig. Upon getting that first gig, I was like only getting paid $15 an hour. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well... Hopefully we'll move up from here, right? <laughs> like, whoa. Generally the good way to go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was something. It was something and I needed to get something to, I mean, honestly, at that point also to boost my confidence because I had yeah. really felt beat down by being Mm -hmm. um, such a failure in my mind, such a failure. So anyways, I got that first virtual assistant gig. My client at the time asked me to start writing blog posts and I thought, yeah, sure, you know, I could do this. Sat down to write a blog and went, oh 
crap, is this really what I'm doing now? Like this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) And so what I did is I leveraged the support of an intern in the Midwest. So I paid that intern between seven and eight dollars an hour. I really can't recall how much it was. But in that moment, I realized like, whoa, it's much easier to sell myself as a service provider. And I could like leverage my hourly rate by hiring people that can work at a lower hourly rate than I can. And my financial capacity, like there is no limit to this. It's just how much I can manage, you know? I don't have to do the work. So that really started my journey as an agency owner, you know, virtual assistant agency owner. And then more recently, we pivoted into just helping our clients with getting podcast features because in late 2019, my company was running by itself, really like everybody was fulfilling all of our clients' needs, didn't really need me. When I got involved, I was really bottlenecking things, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I decided like, hey, I have this message that I want to share with people. You know, I have found growing this agency to be actually very streamlined and simple. And like, I have a lot of freedom in this area now, conversely to what I was doing before. And so I wanted to share that message. So I started becoming a guest on podcast to just get out there and share that message. And what I found was it was generating leads for my business. And I had not suspected that that would happen. Interesting. So when we, you know, we're considering what the heck are we going to niche down into again? I don't want to do everything for everyone. It just became this no brainer. Like it's working for me. We tested it on some existing clients and I wasn't, you know, the magical unicorn, you know, the strategy was working for other people too. And so that's now what we do exclusively. We're obsessed with this. It's awesome. Yeah. And what, I mean, I guess, how did you go about doing that? So, I mean, did you start just looking at podcasts that you wanted to be on and reaching out to the guests? Was there a strategy? How did you actually approach that? Well, great question, because I started telling my team that I wanted to be a guest on podcasts in probably mid-2019. And, you know, I spent some hours, like my team's hours, doing some research for podcasts that we could potentially pitch. And the idea was like, I'll just send pitches to them, you know? But every time I sit down to write a pitch, to be completely honest, I froze up. And I thought like, you know, (laughs) Bruce doesn't know who I am. He's going to look at me, you know, look for me on Instagram or Facebook. And I don't Uh, do Instagram. I don't do Facebook. Like, he's not going to see any of these metrics that people that are going to want me on a podcast are going to see. Like, holy cow, like, nobody's going to want me. And I started to have all this like mental doubt around it. And so that's really where this journey began too. And after six months, my team finally said to me like, Kristen, you know, this thing that you've been talking about, you're not doing it. How about you just (laughs) let us do it for you? I love it. And so my team started pitching me. You know, I got together with somebody on my team and we wrote what we thought would be a really good pitch. And she started just blasting it out to people. And, you know, to be honest, if I had gotten, if I had even gotten more involved in like the delegation of the task, I think I would have even held that back because she was Mm -hmm. pitching me to people that if I had looked, I would have been like, oh, yeah, no, no, don't send that pitch to that person. But because my team did. Why not? What was the hesitation or the constraint that you were putting in that process? It was still this like mental mind block that, Mm, you know, they're going to vet me and I'm not going to pass the test. It's so silly now because I've been on podcasts where I go, wow, I can't believe that person actually wanted to talk to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, you know, essentially looking back in hindsight, like my motivation was to bring value to the table. My motivation wasn't to ever sell myself. It was to connect with people and make a difference in just like one person's life. And that really came across in my pitch. But I was nervous that people receiving my pitch would be like, she's only pitching herself because she wants, you know, she wants to be famous or, you know, it's all about her. Those were the things going on in my mind. 
So it was cool to be able to delegate to my team because my team doesn't have any of those mindset issues that me as an entrepreneur that I deal with. And Mm -hmm. so it became really successful and so much fun. Like the fact that I do this for a living, like I go and chat with people on their podcast, like it's pretty stinking amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll I'll give you maybe a little vulnerable share here. It certainly happens the other way too. Like I've reached out to people to be on the podcast that I'm kind of like, oh, they're never going to be on. And then they say, yes. I'm like, oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I think that we only think that it comes from, you know, whichever end our own perspective is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I always, you know, as a coach, I do this all the time with clients, which is what's the worst that could happen, right? right. You're not going to die. <laughs> right? No one's going right. to get hurt. <laughs> Why don't you just do it and see what happens? But it, but it is so true how kind of our own limiting kind of constraint or limiting thoughts and beliefs and hesitation, you know, ends up getting in the way of some pretty incredible opportunities if you just if you just do it, if you just take action. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm so grateful for my team for stepping in because it's been an amazing journey. And, uh, you know, my confidence continues to build with every podcast that I'm on. And I just realized like, dang, this is my zone of genius. Like I'm a talker. I like to, you know, (laughs) connect with people. Who knew I could build a business? around that, right? I love it. I love it. So how did you go from sort of being on the podcast to then helping other folks get on the podcast? Tell me about that kind of transition. When did that idea happen? How did that model kind of evolve for you? Yeah. So the the model, I guess I had been thinking about niching down. Like I had knew that I needed to niche down, you mm-hmm. know, for a year and was just like, what do we do? Do we choose a specific kind of client to serve and mm-hmm. then just do all the things for that client? Do we choose a specific kind of service offering and we productize our service and that's how we niche down. Like it was this big like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to niche down. You know, people say niche and then when you really dive into it, you're like, well, there's a lot of different ways you can implement that in your business, right? So for me, it was really this like aha moment after I wrote down on a piece of paper all the podcasts that I had been on. And then I, on the next column, I wrote down all of the clients I had gotten just because I had been on podcasts. And I wrote out the dollar value of each of those clients that we had gotten because of podcasts. And when I did the like breakdown, I saw that from every podcast that I was on, the business had generated at least $1,000 on average. You know, not every podcast generates straight revenue, right? But like $1,000 for every time I was being featured as a podcast guest. And that number, you know, if I never showed up on another podcast, that number would continue to go up because people were working with us month after month. And I told that to my team and I was like, this is insane. Like if I told this to people that every time I show up, I'm making an average of $1,000 for my business, like, whoa, you know, people would want to know how I was doing that. That's pretty incredible, right? Mm -hmm. So it was then that I said, okay, this is the niche. So first step for me was, all right, team, you know, I had one person. Yeah, at that time, I only had one person that was helping me with my personal pitches. But then we had other people on our team that were helping our clients, but we were doing our client strategy. So as a virtual assistant agency, you don't come up with a strategy, you're following, you know, you're doing what your client's telling you to do. So we looked at, you know, what are clients doing? And what am I doing? And then we started to develop our internal SOP around that. So how exactly what is the yes boss way to do this? You know, is there stuff that my pitching could be done a little bit better by incorporating some of the stuff we're doing for our clients, all of those things. And so we internally developed that SOP as a collaborative team effort. And I effectively changed my LinkedIn profile and changed my website and just drew a line in the sand and went like, this is it. This is the only service we're offering. Mm -hmm. And I started saying no to people that were coming for other stuff. And that was, I mean, that was scary at first. It was like, 
oh, cool. I just talked to two ideal clients this week and told them both, no, we don't do that anymore. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> like we're officially doing this now. But what I noticed is that because we became so niche, like I didn't really have to explain it to people. You know, there are certain people that believe in the power of being on podcasts and, you know, it's not much of an education journey. You know, I could talk to them about why it is, I suppose. I could talk to them about like the particulars, how to do it profitably. But um, at that point, it was just a matter of making sure that all the messaging now was in alignment with this new niche. Yeah, yeah. And what were the things you noticed in terms of how the SOP changed or, or as you developed this this very kind of targeted SOP, what were you able to do or, or what happened in terms of the operational side of the business? What was cool to me is that a lot of what I learned about being a, a profitable podcast guest is I learned it organically. It was just through doing. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't really necessarily know why it worked. <laughs> it was just like, I don't know, I'm just showing up and like I have this message to share. And so in developing the SOP, I was really able to distill like what it was about each of the things that worked. So one of the big aha moments for me that I think is worth sharing, you know, to everyone, like everybody should hear this is I think that most people, when they think about being a podcast guest, they put it in one of two categories. Either you put it in marketing, which yes, it's marketing, but that traditional marketing strategy would say, get on a show that has the audience of a ton of people that need what you have to offer. It's a numbers game. You want to attract that audience and then pull them onto your, you know, into your freebie offer, into your, get them on your email list, whatever. That's traditional marketing, right? Mm -hmm. The other side of it is people think about this as like a PR effort. So get on a blast it all over, you know, your web presence and that establishes some kind of credibility. So people see it in one of these two categories. And if you had asked me what I thought about being a podcast guest before I did it myself, I would have said like, yeah, it's those things, you know, traditional marketing, traditional PR. However, what I have noticed is this is actually networking on steroids. So I had built a business that was mostly referral based. That's why I was able to build with that, you know, no social media presence and not a great website. I was just meeting people, you know, meeting people that knew people that needed what I had to offer. And that is essentially what's happening in the podcast space too. So the way that I look at things from a podcast guest perspective and what was really highlighted as we were analyzing why it worked is that it's all about the podcast host and looking for people that you want to connect with on like a networking level. Like, Mm -hmm. do I like what you have to say about business, Bruce? Like, are you somebody that I'm interested in being connected with? It's not about, you know, bypassing you and going to your audience. For me, it's about you. And I think that people miss out on that. And so they don't maintain relationships. So part of, you know, when we get a new client, one of the things I talk about before we ever start working together is, do you have plans to maintain relationships with the people that we introduce you to? You know, we'll get you on podcasts. Yes, absolutely. And we can guarantee that. But unless you look at this from a connection and relationship standpoint, you probably will not be profitable and you probably will not generate leads from this. Yeah, I I must say, like as a host, the best guests are ones that we end up doing business with or do referrals or develop other content after the episode. Right? Yeah. Like it's it's the connection we make and the kind of synergies we find and that's where the value comes. I mean I'm you know yes they get contacted from audience members and things like that, but 
but I, I have to agree that it's that network building, you know, expanding your kind of sphere of influence by developing relationships with podcast guests that, that is, is the untapped power, I think, in a lot of that. And people aren't really talking about it because, I mean, I like to say, you know, ditch the vanity metrics for connection. I think everybody's mm-hmm. talking about all the vanity metrics, like, you know, how many leads did you get from that episode? And, you know, I guess that just frustrates me now, now that yeah. I know what works, because to be honest, my list doesn't grow in huge numbers from being on podcasts. Yeah. What the greatest value is, is the I was on a podcast recently and the day it aired, I got emailed from two people. They said, hey, I just heard you on, you know, so-and-so, not even the podcast. They said, uh-huh. I just got an email from the podcast host. Yep. I then responded to the email from the podcast host, asked what they thought of you because I know that I need your services. Frankly, I didn't even listen to the episode, but the host <laughs> says they vouch for you. And so I want to talk about how I can hire you. Yeah. And so what I noticed is like, rather than somebody getting on my list and, you know, having to go through my nurture sequence and yeah, all of this stuff, yeah. they're like, let's forget the fluff. I just literally, I mean, literally they're telling me, I just want to know how I can pay you so we can get started. Yeah. So it's, it's like this shortcut, which I never saw coming, but now I'm seeing it over and over and over again. And it's incredibly impactful and heck, it's a whole lot easier as a service-based provider, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and given that, how, what are the criteria that either you used when you were deciding which podcast to either reach out to or go on or as you work with guests i mean is there i mean is, is there a little bit of this just you know anyone who you find interesting go for or are there other metrics or kind of criteria that you use to help select that and narrow that down so the way that we do our research which we do custom research for everybody so some mm-hmm. podcast booking agencies you know you are basically buying into their network of podcast hosts, which, you know, for them, I can see why they would do that on the back end. It makes things logistically more profitable. Um, But for us, it's all about custom research for every single one of our clients. If there's somebody in our database that's a good fit, that's great. Yes. But the way that we do our research is we think about, okay, what is the like message that you want to share? So for our clients. So for me, my message and my mantra actually is work less, make more. So I like partnering with people that are talking about delegation. They're talking about being more effective. They're talking about like leadership. They're talking about explicitly work less, make more, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of message. And then what we do is we look at who are other people that have gone out and become a guest. So a lot of times there are people that have published books. So like authors that have gone out and they've done podcast tours, like who are some influencers essentially Mm -hmm. is what we're looking for. Who are some influencers that we can do a search on their name to see what other podcasts they've been on, because then that's Uh, going to highlight that there's alignment with that podcast host. Right. So like, a great example is this work less, make more. Well, James Stramco wrote a book, Work Less, Make More. Uh-huh. Like, okay. So all the people whose podcast he has been on, the host is likely on board with this message. It is something in alignment with what they teach. Let's look at all the shows that James has been on and then field through those to see if they're a good fit for our client. It's fascinating. So it's you, you find like a, a similar guest Correct. that you want to be. You use that as almost like a persona to then mine their history for potential podcasts that you want to yep. associate with. Yep, yep. We want to find hosts that have a complimentary view mm-hmm. on business, really, because most of these people we're helping are entrepreneurs who serve entrepreneurs. So yeah, um, yeah you got it exactly right. And do you find, I'm curious, if if in that process you find some interesting kind of divergent paths, I mean, I, I, could, I could see how if you take a very narrow approach to this, you really kind of restrict yourself to, oh, well, I only do podcasts that are like this. But do you see opportunities where it's like, well, 
you know, there, there are some other types of podcasts out there that you may not think of at first, but if you kind of open up your eyes to it, give you opportunities to kind of create these weaker links, but then open you up to kind of new networks and new people. I guess one thing I find is, like if, if I if I see this the same type of guests on the same podcast over and over again, like I'm just gonna be hitting the same people, right? Versus if I kind of venture out and I find some podcasts that maybe it's a little different, but you know, there's an angle to how you can weave it in, it opens you up to a whole new audience that you might not otherwise have access to. I think you've hit on something that's really important, and that's like an, this untapped podcast host audience. So yeah. what we find is we start with the influencer stuff, like that helps us see what what big doors we want to open. And sometimes we like snowball into the big doors, right? So like uh-huh. say you wanted on James podcast, like how many doors can you get into that are closer to James door, right? Uh-huh. But what you're touching on is something that we also find has been, for me, it's been incredible. I love it. So what I have to think about when it comes to what I offer is what podcast hosts may not even know about what I'm talking about. Yeah, And that oftentimes is a brand new podcaster. So I have found that there's a ton of value in going on newer podcasts because it tells me a couple things. If an entrepreneur is willing to start a podcast, they're at least kind of serious. Like being a podcast host is not easy. It's a big undertaking. It's you're you're saying yes to a lot. Mm -hmm. But what I have found is with my message specifically, and I find that this to be true for a lot of service-based providers, people that can offer done-for-you services that help people or help their clients like grow faster, this is perfect opportunity. Look for people that are newer to the podcast scene. And when you send them your pitch, they're not getting pitched by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Their networking community, so people already on their radar, is smaller. And so there's more room in it for you. Like mm-hmm. you're probably not going to find somebody that, that is competitive. Like they're not already referring people to your kind of service. And those are the people that I have found that the host ends up hiring me. Mm-hmm. So the more established podcast hosts, they tend to have referrals in their network that might want to hire me. But then the newer podcasters are the ones that get off a call with me and go, um, can we keep talking about what you were saying? Because I really <laughs> learned a lot from that. And I need to know how I can do that. Yeah. So you know, the doors, I think, I mean, it's kind of like an algorithm thing when you're doing your research on like, you know, based on that influencer research, you, our team then sees like, oh, here's another rabbit trail that we might want to investigate and go down. We definitely are investigating all of those trails because you never know. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of being a good guest on a podcast, how do you help your clients, you know, once you place them or you get them the opportunity to be on the podcast, how do you make sure that they're going to leverage the opportunity? How do you make sure that they show up well? What What's the kind of process training that you give them to maximize their chances and maximize the success? Yeah. The very first thing that we tell our clients, and this is even like before you start pitching yourself, if you're doing it yourself or doing it with us, you've got to know what you offer. Like you've got to be really succinct in knowing what you offer. You got to be really specific. So the example I like to give is, okay, you're a copywriter. Well, what kind of copy do you write? If mm-hmm. if the podcast host doesn't know how they would hire you, their audience isn't going to know how to hire you. Nobody's going to know how to send referrals to you. So get really specific. If you're a, a copywriter, like do you write welcome series? Do you do landing pages? Do you do, you know, like funnels? What, what do Got you it. do? Get really specific. So that's essential. Then I would say show up to serve. So what my mission is as a guest is to answer every question that I'm asked, just like a complete open book. Mm -hmm. If on an episode I can educate somebody 
out of actually hiring elves, I actually call that a win because Mm -hmm. my ideal client, and I would say that every service provider's ideal client is somebody that, okay, cool, you can tell them all the secrets, but they still don't want to do it themselves. Yeah, That is like cream of the crop. So if I could just lay it out there, all the people that are going to do it themselves are just going to do it themselves. And that's fine. I want the people that don't want to do it themselves. So show up to serve. And that includes giving actionable advice. You know, if you can give examples, if you can, you know, like you've asked me about my journey, like that's me giving examples. Like how did I end up doing what I'm doing? Like how did my team serve me so that I could be a profitable podcast guest? Like giving those examples of why what you do is effective, that helps people, you know, see the value in what you offer. And then it helps them take action when they are done listening to the episode. You know, if somebody, even if they end up, you know, coming and working with us done for you service, but if they get off this episode and feel like they can take at least like one action, that made this in my mind a good episode because people felt like they won. And then they're going to come back and they're going to listen to this podcast again because they're like, well, dang, Bruce gives information that I feel like wasn't a waste of my time. So you want to make sure to just like, you know, refer to your offer, give actionable advice, show up to serve, really then just have fun, like yeah. relax, be yourself. Like I'm casual. So when I talk, it's casual, like don't get stuffy. If you feel like you have to plan for something like, you know, writing notes about all the things you're going to talk about, then you probably shouldn't talk about it. Like just yeah. talk about the things that you talk about on the regular. Yeah, exactly. Once you're on a podcast, how do you leverage that? I mean, what a, I think a lot of people end up, oh, I did a podcast. I've been recorded. And then they don't do anything. I think it's, <laughs> I think there's a missed opportunity there. But I'm curious what what you advise or, or how you help you know your clients that have been on a podcast kind of leverage that event, leverage that content. Yep, it's all about the follow up. If you have just recorded an episode where you feel like, oh, I really like this person, like you know, I could see that we enjoyed talking to each other. If the time allows for it, stay on the call. Like talk to the podcast host. Don't hang up right away and go, oh, hey, thank you, yeah. you know. <laughs> And then gone. The questions that I like to ask are, what can I do to serve what you're doing and your audience more? Are there areas where I can be of value to you? This is about networking. This is about being of service to other people so you can make them look good, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So in addition to following up after, you know, right after recording, you know, you want to ask, when is this podcast going to be aired? I I like to help promote the episode. You know, that I think is a way to show the host like, hey, I wasn't just in it to try to attract your audience. Like I really am in this to provide value to everybody. And so I, if I can drive traffic to this episode, I think that that's fantastic. If there are referrals I can make to you, I think that that's fantastic. And I would say just make sure that you're following up, even if you don't see an opportunity like right away, make sure that you're following up with people at least once a month. You know, if that means keeping a spreadsheet and showing up on somebody's social media and just Mm -hmm. like chiming in in the comments, like you just want to stay on somebody's radar because you never know what kind of opportunities will show up later down the road. You know, the person that you're interviewing with might have some mastermind that they develop a year from now and may invite you to be a guest or you know you as the podcast guest might have some kind of mastermind or launch your own podcast and you want to invite those people to be your guests so you never know you've got to make sure to maintain and build your network and that is with the follow-up yeah in terms of trying to decide if 
being a podcast guest is a good strategy for you. Is there are there certain industries or types of businesses or types of people that are going to make better guests than than other folks? What are is there any criteria that you use to kind of help identify folks that are going to be successful in this? The slam dunk and the always yes is if you serve entrepreneurs, that's like always yes. Yeah. <laughs> if that's if that's who you're trying to attract, absolutely. I mean, entrepreneurs are all over podcasts. But I think for me, the criteria is you've got to know what you sell, who you sell it to, and you've Mm -hmm. got to be willing to share your methodology. So there's got to be some kind of method behind what you do. So you've got to be able to talk about it in a way that's educational. If you have those three things, then there's, there's an audience for almost anybody. You know, we have a number of people that are in Australia and we help them just get featured on podcasts in Australia. Mm-hmm. You know, we have some people that actually serve a more corporate audience and we've found that there's an audience for that too. It's just a matter of, I guess, I guess in my mind, the fourth thing would be, you know, think about, is my audience listening to podcasts? Yeah. Yeah. That's the big question here. And I would say it's audience listening to podcasts in the mode of thinking about your product or service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it's sometimes I find that, yeah, they're there, they're using it, but they're using it on a very, you know, personal or social or entertainment level, not at a business level. And if you're trying to sell business stuff, you know, even if they're there, they're just not open to that conversation or open to that thinking. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Kristen, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you and about Yes Boss, what's the best way to get that information? You can check out our website at yesbossva.com. We have DIY information there. So if that's your cup of tea, then we have a 10-minute masterclass. We've chopped it down so it is you know, everything that you need to know in as short amount of time as possible. You could also check us out there if you're interested in done for you. And then the only place that I hang out is LinkedIn. I don't do any other social media because it all gives me a headache. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) And the cool thing is about my name, because it's spelled a little bit differently because Molinar is spelled differently. You know, you type it into LinkedIn search and I'm the only one that shows up. So it's easy. Great. I'll make sure that the links for all those are on the show notes so people can click through and get that. Kristen, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me, Bruce. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.